Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back. It is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. My name is Greg Rakestraw. Bob Lovell gets a weekend off. He is back next Friday. I am in tonight. Um, they're going to say that spending like 12 hours at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is good enough for my work day tomorrow. So you get just one night of me. Um, I get to kind of kick back for the next four minutes. I get to learn what is happening literally everywhere in sports. Because here with our top of the hour, five-minute scoreboard update is Network Indiana's Eddie Garrison. Thank you, Greg Rakestraw. Pleasure to be with you and Nathaniel Finch tonight here in downtown Indianapolis. The schedule was released for the Indianapolis Colts. It was already known they were going to Germany. Bernard Ryman, offensive lineman for the Indianapolis Colts, talks about Frankfurt. Um, old. <laughs> no, it's really not downtown. Um, no, it's, it's a beautiful city. Um, I probably need to freshen up with some restaurants and stuff that are out there uh, to give the right recommendations, but... No, it's, it's beautiful, and I'm just looking forward to going out there. One thing to note, the Indianapolis Colts will not have a primetime game on the initial schedule. Two games have yet to be announced. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Houston Texans. The Texans game will bookend the season for the Indianapolis Colts. Ricky Minicamp wrapped up last week for the Colts. Anthony Richardson was impressive to most, including the offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter. Good, good first impression. Came in, worked really hard, bright-eyed, energetic, uh, really into learning kind of the information we were putting in front of him. Thought he had a good, thought he had a good, uh, good start, good rookie minicamp, and like I said, uh, really excited to get going with him a little bit more when those guys can come back a little bit later and uh, get into the real stuff. Defensively, there's expectations this year for the Indianapolis Colts to be aggressive on the perimeter at the cornerback position ideally when we say we want to be aggressive defense it, it you know obviously it starts up front but on the perimeter we'd like to be aggressive so there's times we can and can't be but if we can be we want to be aggressive on the perimeter and you know that that's that's been a theme of us I think if anybody looked back and would say that but without getting too much into the scheme stuff right now I mean to, to utilize it but we'll ask those guys all of our corners to do multiple techniques but there's times when you need it Week one for the Indianapolis Colts, and that was the voice of defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. We'll have his team ready on September 10th. The Colts will open the season at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Major League Baseball going final in Miami. The Cincinnati Reds, they pick up a 7-4 win over the Miami Marlins. The Marlins are now 19-19. Alexis Diaz picks up his seventh save of the season and has now pitched 
Ten and a third consecutive innings of scoreless baseball. He struck out two in the bottom half of the ninth. The Reds are 16 and 21. Jake Fraley was a primary source of offense for the Red Legs. Two homers tonight, four RBIs. Tyler Stevenson also with a home run today. And the Reds win. The Pittsburgh Pirates have lost once again to the Baltimore Orioles. Six to three today. Pirates have struggled over the course of the last week and a half or so. They're now 21 and 18. At one point, they were the best team in the National League. League, not so much anymore. Tonight's final 6-3 to three against the Baltimore Orioles. In the bottom of the ninth, Cleveland Guardians are down against the LA Angels after the Angels got two runs in the top of the ninth. Brandon Jury hit a sacrifice fly that gave the Angels a lead at 5-4. to four. Right now, they're down to their last out, and Josh Naylor is at the dish. St. Louis Cardinals and the Boston Red Sox, they're in an offensive shootout right now in Boston. 8-6 to six is the score, and the Cardinals just took the lead in the top of the ninth inning. They were trailing 6-5. They hang up a three-spot. Lars Newtbar had a single that scored Paul DeYoung, and then Nolan Gorman, a very talented rookie for the Cardinals, hit a two-run home run to give them that 8-6 lead. Right now in Boston, as Rafael Devers on third, and Enrique Hernandez just struck out, now making it two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Chicago Cubs and the Minnesota Twins are currently in action from Minnesota. That's in the top of the seventh inning, all tied up at two game, or two runs apiece. Drew Smiley, he's through six innings of work for Chicago. Four strikeouts, four hits, two runs, both are earned. On the Minnesota side of things, Sonny Gray, the former Red, got the start and went five and a third. Just getting started on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Lovell. But this show goes 52 weeks a year at this point. You know, I remember one of Bob's bosses one time thought about cutting back the show to eight months here. It used to be 10. And we ended up doing 12 months. What a moron that guy was. In the narrator's voice, I was that moron. Yet somehow, I'm sitting here filling in for Bob on this Friday night. Bob comes back next week. Gets to take the months of June and July off a few weeks from now. But a staple of this program this time of year, he is the radio voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And tonight, he called two innings and proceeded to go home because they were rained out. It's Mike (laughs) Maz that joins us now. Good evening, my friend. How are you? Pretty good, Greg. Uh, sounds like you're in a really good mood in warm and dry Indianapolis. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, I was at the track all day and there was like a little bit of drizzle on my way in, but I saw that the radar was lifting. I said, okay, we're going to be clear until two. Then I, I, it, it may have like rained right around the track, but it never did. So we had like a, a full day of dry in Indianapolis. Clearly that was not the case in Allen County this evening. Oh, we had a full day of dry until about uh, 20 minutes after 7. And then uh, the skies opened up. And we uh, we did not complete. Uh, we completed just under two full innings. When Hopefully, if the weather helps out tomorrow, we'll um, restart the suspended game with Fort Wayne batting in the bottom of the second inning in a scoreless tie. But uh, in some ways, it was a windy night, Greg, because this team is struggling and uh, almost as much as they struggled last year when they had the worst record in the uh, going on now 30 years of the franchise at 50 and 80. Mm. And well, this year they're 10 and 20. Yeah. I was going to say, and obviously at this level, you know, you want to win fans like to see wins, but player development is the thing. Is there a player or two that have stood out to you so far as those that have the best chance potentially being a Padre at some point in time sooner rather than later? 
Well, the Padres are really high on some of the pitchers on this staff. And, um, uh, for example, we have a, um, a left-hander by the name of Miguel Cienfuegos out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada, uh, coming out of the Frontier League. And, uh, boy, he made one appearance in a spot start at Peoria and uh, pitched six innings, uh, gave up a hit to the first batter he faced and retired 15 hitters in a row, and then uh, got hit uh, with a single, a home run, a double, and a single in the uh, seventh inning, and we ended up losing. Uh, Of course, we lost five of the six games there in Peoria. Um, Our starter tonight was a right-hander by the name of Jairo Iriarte out of Venezuela. Uh, he signed he's one of part of the uh, international package signed back in 2018, and uh, he had some really good stuff tonight. He's probably the most advanced of all the pitchers we have on this team. Uh, something you may want the listeners to know about Greg is the majority of this team in Fort Wayne this year played at Low A League Elsinore last year, and all they did was win 77 games and the California League Championship, and. Uh, so they, there was some confidence coming out of spring training, but a lot of these players are finding out that there is a huge difference between low A and high A baseball, and uh, they're they're um, they're learning slowly but surely. But um, we've got a couple of guys in the uh, lineup. Our third baseman is Marcos Castagnon out of uh, Rialto, California. 12th round pick in the 21 draft out of UC Santa Barbara. And uh, he's teamed up with um, a first baseman outfielder out of uh, Cal Berkeley named uh, Nathan Martorella. And it's the best one-two punch, I think, in the entire Midwest League. Uh, one of them is batting 278 with six home runs and 22 runs batted in. The other started the night hitting 265 with five home runs and 21 runs batted in. And they're, they'll either bat two, three, or three, four in the lineup. One's a left-handed hitter, one's a right-handed hitter, and those are the two most impressive guys we've seen thus far. We have the top prospect in the San Diego organization with us, our shortstop, twenty-year-old kid by uh, uh, the name of um, Jason Merrill out of uh, Severna Park, Maryland, uh, number one pick by the Padres in twenty-one out of high school. And we've seen his arm. He, he had a rough start offensively. The first three games of the year we played at West Michigan, and he went 0 for 12. Then we came home and we split six games with Lake County, but he was 0 for 18 before he got his first hit of the year. The problem with, the, with uh, Jason right now is the fact that he's been sick. When the team was in Peoria three weeks ago. Hey, Mike, I hate to do this, buddy, but we're up against it time-wise. i got to jump in. Um, save the rest of that voice for tomorrow night because you got like 12 innings of baseball to call. Thank you for calling tonight, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your Friday evening. And I'll talk. hopefully talk to you tomorrow. You got it, buddy. Mike Moss, again, the radio voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, kind enough to call. They got suspended in the second inning against Beloit. They'll play two tomorrow night. We'll go from single A to triple A. Howard Kelman will join us next. The Miami Heat are 14 and 4, 10 seconds away from advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lead 94-90, just under 15 seconds left in the fourth quarter, but the New York Knicks have the basketball coming out of the timeout. Jalen Brunson has put on a clinic offensively for the New York Knicks. 39 points, but 
it will be in a losing effort as Quentin Grimes misses a three-pointer. And the Miami Heat will go to the free-throw line with 11 seconds to go with a four-point lead. Jimmy Butler is pacing the Miami Heat in scoring with 24 points. He also has eight rebounds. Bam Adebayo was also contributed tonight for Miami. 23 points and nine rebounds. Coming up shortly after the conclusion of this game on ESPN, Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers. This is the Western Conference semifinals game six with the Lakers looking to punch their ticket to the Western Conference finals with the win. Andrew Wiggins will suit up tonight for the Golden State Warriors. It's unknown how much he'll be able to play. He's dealing with a fractured rib and a starting lineup change for Darvin Ham and the Los Angeles Lakers today. They will start Dennis Schroeder in the place of Jared Vanderbilt. That game will tip off momentarily after the conclusion of Knicks Heat and the Lakers are three and a half point favorites. They're in overtime in the NHL playoffs. The Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs all tied up at two. Right now, they've got about 15 minutes left in the first overtime period, and Toronto squandered a 2-0 lead. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back. It is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Level. Whether it's me, Bob Level, whoever the host is going to be, one of the staples of this show is Howard Kelman calling in after high school football and basketball on WHMB TV 40. Or, of course, the day job for Howard, well, since the 70s, and that would be the voice of the Indianapolis Indians. Tonight, the Tribe lose 2-1 in St. Paul to the St. Paul Saints. Howard, of course, had the radio call and is kind enough to join us now. Good evening, my friend. How are you? Um, uh, Bob, Bob, uh, Greg, I'm doing great. Thank, thank you for those kind words. I was listening to you talk about me, so I, no, but thank you so much for the kind words. This is a difficult loss, and I'll tell you why. Something that should have showed up in the box score and didn't cost the Indians the game. In the first inning, when St. Paul got it to two runs, had a man on first, one out, there's a base hit to center, and the, the runner tries to go to third, Ramirez, and they've got the tag. Triolo, Jared Triolo, the third baseman, has the ball waiting. He applies the tag. Randy Rosenberg, the umpire, is all set to call him out. Well, the ball squirts loose, and he's safe when he applied the tag. Well, then there's a balk after an out was made, and then there's a base hit and two runs score because of that. And there should have been an error charge to Triolo, the third baseman, and that allowed two runs to score. And the Indians got a home run from Malcolm Nunez in the third, but that was all the scoring in, in the game. Indians are 16-20. and 20. They're six and a half back of Iowa in terms of the International League's West Division. Overall, how are you feeling about this team right now, Howard? Well, it's a young team. We have some good players. We did get hard hit by injuries when Rodriguez was out, when Gonzalez was out. They're both playing again now. Rodriguez had a forearm strain and Gonzalez had an injured shoulder. Now, the team did lose Mike Burroughs, who pitched in the Futures game a year ago. They lost him to Tommy John's surgery, and that hurt. And Tuca Peter Marcano was called up by the Pirates. You know, he was doing great. And Josh Palacios, who was the IL player of the week last week, also was called up by the Pirates. But, look, those things happen. Moves are part of it. You have to adjust. 
I like some of the young players, and I think this is a pretty good ball club. There are years in AAA when you don't have a lot of prospects. There are years in AAA when you have a lot of them. Um, which kind of side of the ledger does this Pittsburgh Pirates-fed team fall on this year, Howard? At the beginning of the year, Greg, before the injuries and the call-ups, this team was rated very highly. In fact, among the 120 minor league teams, this team was rated seventh in terms of prospects, seven out of 120. But again, we had the injuries and the call-ups, so it's changed because of that. But we still have Andy Rodriguez here. Here's the most intriguing thing about the Pirates' situation with prospects. You've got catcher Andy Rodriguez, who was rated the number one prospect in the Pirates system at the start of the year. Had a great year last year. <coughs> Pardon me, last year. In double-A for Altoona, the catcher is Henry Davis. Henry Davis was the number one draft pick in the country out of the University of Louisville a few years ago. He is doing absolutely great in Altoona. Rodriguez is doing fairly good here. The Pirates at the major league level are very weak behind the plate. It's their most glaring need. So they have these two young, very promising catchers. How are they going to handle it? What are they going to do? Are they going to call them both up? Are they going to bypass AAA with Davis, send them right to the big leagues? Are they going to give them more time in Altoona? It'll be very interesting, Greg, to see the way this plays out. They have some major decisions to make. Indians have road matinees coming up on Saturday and Sunday in St. Paul in the traditional now Monday off. Six games set with the Iowa Cubs back at Victory Field comes up on Tuesday at 635. Howard, as always, thanks for the time, my friend. Have a safe rest of your trip home. Greg, as always, thank you very much. You got it. Howard Kelman, the voice of the Indianapolis Indians. Indians fall 2-1 to the St. Paul Saints this evening. Uh, I think I'm legally obligated to say shifting gears when I make a transition from any sport into IndyCar racing or auto racing in general. Uh, Nick Yeoman, I'm sure, would do a better transition than that. Maybe they should get him to fill in for Bob Lovell at some point in time. He joins us now. How was your day at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Oh, Greg, we downshifted, put her into third gear, and went flying down the front straightaway. No, it's uh, it's good to be with you, my friend. It, it was opening day. I mean, first day of the month, uh, technically, with, with IndyCars on track in a competitive uh, fashion. So uh, all is right in my world, my friend. All right, so as I was listening on uh, Sirius XM Channel 160 to qualifying this afternoon as I was out and about and heard you guys kind of go through your first you know, series of handoffs, as we would call them, from the turn reporters, one, two, three, four in the oval. Doesn't work that way on the road course. Uh, it goes from Mark James to Michael Young to you as you have the action kind of coming out of Holman Boulevard or as they're coming to you down that back straightaway. You want to let the listeners know where that means you are in terms of the the actual position you have at the track as you're calling. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Goes out. Oh uh, yeah, I am eleven stories off the ground on the roof of the pagoda. I can, Greg, I can barely tell that there are even race cars <laughs> flying down Holman Boulevard. It is. Uh, listen, it's the best view in the house. I can see 
uh, honestly, 90% of the oval, which you can't really say that anywhere else on the grounds of the Speedway. And I can see probably 85% of the road course. So the cars look awful small when they're going down Holman Boulevard. But, boy, my friend, I can call a lot of that race. It's uh, it's a great view. Now, like when people are, are taking the, the, the now, you know, obligatory, hey, I'm flying over the Indianapolis Motor Speedway shot as you're getting ready to land. Like, do you like, do you see individuals that are waving to you from up at that spot at the top of the pagoda? Oh, those might be birds. I don't know. I look up and, uh, yeah. So I, a few years ago, I saw a guy laying down there in Pagoda Plaza. You know, there's a couple nice trees that provide some good shade on a hot day. Just a shirtless guy laying down on the grass, just enjoying his day at the racetrack. I think it was actually the year after uh, nobody could come in due to the pandemic. So, uh, yeah, looking down at, at Pagoda Plaza, seeing everybody having a good time. Every once in a while, I'll get a few people that will wave to me up there. All right. I will tell you who's having a good time today, and that's Ray Hall Letterman landing in racing. And we have not said that for a while. It has been a struggle over the course of the last couple of years. Christian Lungard is on the pole. Jack Harvey's on the outside of row number two. And Graham Rahal's on the outside of row number four for the GMR Grand Prix tomorrow. What suddenly flipped today for the 15, 30, and 45 cars? You know, I, I think, Greg, you have to chalk it up to the fact that, that for whatever reason, their drivers and this team, they have a good feel for this racetrack. I'd love to sit here and tell you that, like, hey, they figured it out. But this team did make a ton of changes in the offseason. They moved into a new shop. They brought over some folks from Europe to kind of boost the engineering. And I think in time, you're going to see some strides made. But I, I don't think I can necessarily say that, hey, they flipped the switch and they figured it out overnight. I think you have to chalk it up to the fact that, Christian Lundgaard, when he came over, his very first IndyCar start was here on the road course, and he qualified fourth. I mean, nobody knew who this kid was, but clearly had a good feel for the road course. Jack Harvey has kind of struggled throughout the course of his IndyCar career, but his best runs have come right here on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and, and Graham Rahal has had some good runs as well. So I 1,000% chalk it up to the fact that they've got some drivers that have a good feel for this racetrack. But I'm also a big believer in momentum too, Greg. So if they can get through tomorrow, maybe score a big race win, put another car on the podium, maybe that momentum starts to push this team in the right direction. Because as you alluded to, uh, the last couple years has been rough for this team. Graham Rahal routinely starting outside of the top 15, having to charge his way forward. So uh, it's a nice sign for this organization what they did today. I got about 45 seconds for this answer, so I'll make the question quick. Uh, for as dominant as Penske has been in the 500 over the years, they've been even more dominant in the road course events here. Their fastest starter is 12th outside of row six in Will Power. Can one of the Penske cars get to a front in an event where typically guys have won from the front over the decade or so we've been running on this facility? I don't think so, Greg. I think the only way it's going to happen is if we get some really fluky, weird caution right in the middle of a pit sequence that kind of flips the race order on its head. So it's 100% going to have to come from luck. But you know what? Maybe this is a good sign for Team Penske. Maybe they'll take their hits on the road course if it means their cars are a little bit better on the oval when we start practice on Tuesday. You're the man. Uh, go take your altitude medication uh, for your broadcast location for tomorrow. I'll be there bright and early myself. I'll see you at some point on tomorrow. Thanks for the time this evening. Appreciate it, Rick. Have a good one. You got it. Nick Yeoman from the IndyCar Radio Network. Of course, Mark Jaynes and the rest of the crew will have all the action covered for you on many of these same radio stations. Radio pre-race begins at 3. Television pre begins at 3.30. They'll drop the green flag about 3.50 tomorrow afternoon. Back with more in a moment on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. 
On Monday, the NBA Combine will start, so draft prospects such as Zach Eady, Jalen Hood-Shifino, and Trace Jackson-Davis will be working out and getting measured for teams in the NBA. Meanwhile, the Pacers were working out some prospects today. The headliner was Jaime Jaquez of UCLA. He explains what kind of role he thinks he can carve out in the NBA. I see myself being able to be a 3 and D guy, um, a guy that you can slot in and hit shots and play defense and really just do whatever the team needs me to do. Um, I understand that it's, you know, you're back to being the freshman or the rookie now. Um, so I know what it takes to do what I can to get on the floor. And I'm just looking forward to, you know, do, doing that and, and playing hard, getting rebounds, doing, doing the little things I need to um, get playing time. Other notable names from the workout today for the Indiana Pacers was UConn guard Andre Jackson Jr., Missouri forward Kobe Brown, and Creighton forward Arthur Columa. The NBA draft lottery announcement will be on Tuesday night from Chicago. The Pacers could select first through fourth or seventh through 11th. They currently await where their pick will be. They will have Cleveland's first-round pick in the draft from the Karis LeVert trade in 2021. That fell 26th. And then Boston's first-round pick in the upcoming draft, that fell 29th. That's from the Malcolm Brogdon trade in the offseason after the 2022 season. The draft will be on June 22nd. For Network Indiana Sports. I'm Eddie Garrison. Again, Eddie Garrison, Nathaniel Finch. My name is Greg Rakestraw. This is the all-University of Indianapolis edition of Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, getting the weekend off. Bob will be back in action next Friday, and I'm sure I'll be dialing into the show next. I know it will be next Saturday because I'll have the Indy 11. That's normally when I call it on Saturdays this time. Here's after an Indy 11 match. Uh, tomorrow, um, Maybe I'm dialing into the program. I'm not filling in as the host tomorrow, uh, but maybe I'll dial in. You you never know. I tend to be on this show on a semi-regular basis. Got a couple of guests that we will bring onto the program uh, during the 11 o'clock hour of the show, but this segment of this longer one we have at the bottom of the hour, this will be all me. And Eddie elected to go with kind of a Pacers-themed update at the bottom of the hour. Um, I will kind of do the same thing. Pacers have five draft picks currently uh and again by the number of ping pong balls in the lottery however you want to assess the chances pacers right now would have the seventh pick uh unless they are selected to go up into one of those top three or four spots or unless teams all jump them from behind and they drop down uh the years the pacers have been in the lottery i can't remember that they ever that they have ever They've not been in the top three in those years. Like the only time the Pacers I can specifically remember got a better pick than what their record indicated they should would have been the first year of the draft lottery where it wasn't weighted. It was seven teams in a hopper and you you pulled them out of a fishbowl and it got down to the Pacers and the Knicks in 85 and the Frozen envelope claim to make sure that Patrick Ewing went to the Knicks. Again, that's just allegedly. There's not exactly facts that are involved with that. But we got Wayman was the T-shirt, the late, great Wayman Tisdale uh, at this point. Uh, But other than that, Pacers have typically kind of, you know, when they've been in the lottery, say in, in that 2007 through 2010 run, you know, if the Pacers were slated to pick 10th, they pick 10th. If the Pacers were slated to pick 12th, they pick 12th. 
That's kind of been, been the gist of it. Remember how big of a deal last year it was that Benedict Matherin was the sixth pick of the draft, and he was the first single-digit draft pick made by the Indiana Pacers since George McLeod in 1989? In other words, what I'm telling you is the Pacers are due for some good luck in the lottery. But whatever happens with the Pacers in terms of the lottery, I wouldn't expect the Indiana Pacers to make five draft picks coming up in June. And Eddie said when the draft was, and it has up and left my brain already. Sorry, Eddie. But when it happens in late June, because the Pacers have their young core, it doesn't mean that they're going to go all Los Angeles Rams on their picks. But it does mean that they would like to package probably 26 and 29 and maybe even one of those second-round picks. And the Pacers right now have picks 50 and 55 in the second round. I think the Pacers would like to move off of some of those to potentially move up. And if the lottery does not serve the Indiana Pacers well coming up on Tuesday night, perhaps they could convince a team to move up a spot or two. Now, if you look at a need for the Indiana Pacers, it is probably at the stretch four position. Although, let's face it, okay? The league is pretty much a mobile big guy, a point guard, and three dudes lined up around the arc. That's kind of how everybody plays. You know, we go one, two, three, four, five. We might as well go one, two, three at this point. But if you looked at what the Pacers would need, let's, let's face it, we tried Turner and Sabonis. Did not work. Sabonis was great in Sacramento this year. They make the playoff for the first time in nearly 20 years. They win the Pacific Division. Pacers did improve by 10 victories. Miles Turner is your five. Signed an extension back in February. You got him under contract for two more years. He's your starting center. Ty Hall- Tyrese Halliburton is obviously your starting point guard going forward. You found pieces that you like in Aaron Neesmith. I do think that Buddy Heald will come back for one more year because I think the Pacers liked his durability, the way he knocked down shots, his general kind of attitude and teaching these young guys think kind of the Pacers, how they were built in 2022 and 2023, will be largely how they look in 2023 and 24. They'd like to add one more player. It was funny, you heard Jaime Jaquez talking during the scoreboard update. He was, again, the reason you heard a soundbite from him was the fact that he was in town yesterday. Uh, the NBADraft.net website, which I have pulled up, happens to be kind of the draft blog that I probably spent the most time uh, on uh, when studying this topic. They have him listed 37th. So, again, he's maybe a guy the pace is looking at at that 26th or 29th pick or wherever they could be moving around or two. The certainty seems to be that Victor Wembayama, the player from France, is going to be taken with the number one pick. Whomever ends up winning that lottery will get Victor Wenbayama, who is listed as a center, but is just as apt to shoot a three-pointer as he is to do anything else. After that, it's uh, usually a, a guys that have played that, that are either freshmen in college or played for this overtime elite program or guys that are playing in the G League or guys that are playing internationally. For what it's worth... In this era of us in terms of college basketball with name, image, and likeness and college players making more money and guys sticking around longer, as I look at this draft prognostication, you have two players that 
are international players, and you have some guys that are playing in the overtime elite program or playing in the G League, but by their age would be freshmen. The first 16 picks in this prognostication would be guys that just played one year of college or are of the same age as those that played one year of college. The first guy that would not be a freshman in college taken by this projection, Maxwell Lewis. Couldn't tell you anything about Maxwell other than he played at Pepperdine. It's been a while since the guy at Pepperdine made an impact, by the way. In the National Basketball Association, but that's a conversation for California Sports Talk. This is Indiana Sports Talk. Uh, in case you were wondering, this same draft prognostication has Jalen Hood Shafino going with the 16th pick to the Utah Jazz. It has Trace Jackson Davis going to the 20th pick taken by the L.A. Clippers. He would, again, according to this preview, be the first senior selected by an NBA team. He would be the only senior in terms of college eligibility taken in the first round of the NBA draft. By the way, for what it's worth, Zach Eadie has put his name into the NBA draft hopper, but we have talked about how seemingly, as I just referenced, mobile, big, Zach, great hands, great footwork for a guy his size, National College Player of the Year, latest draft prognostication has him being taken with the 48th pick, middle of the second round. And here's the crazy thing about it. Now you would say that you are likely to make more money playing in college basketball than you would be being a second-round pick in the NBA draft. In other words, I like I like Zach Eady's chances to come back for at least one more year for playing for Matt Painter and Purdue University. So the NBA draft lottery comes up on Tuesday. The Indiana Pacers, from an odds perspective, are in line to have the seventh pick. And do I think there is this glaring need for the Pacers to get this future star at one, two, or three? No, I think they've got their core put together. But would I enjoy seeing Victor Wembayama play for the Indiana Pacers next year? Absolutely, I would. And historically, are the Pacers due for a little draft lottery luck? Well, since seemingly they've never had any, and this process has been going on for 40 years. I think during that time, the Pacers would have qualified for the draft lottery like maybe 12 or 13 times, so not too shabby of overall record. It'd be great if they got a little uh, luck in the process coming up into the draft lottery on Tuesday night. I'm going to talk a little more Pacers-related conversation when we come back from this timeout, but it's of the G League variety because it has an impact on the folks in Fort Wayne, Noblesville, and Indianapolis as well. We'll have that conversation when we come back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison, the GMR Grand Prix tomorrow from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Qualifications today, it was the second-year driver from Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing Capturing his first P1 today, that was Christian Lungard. He recorded the fastest lap average speed of 126.643 miles per hour. Felix Rosenquist will start second. Alex Pillow third. Jack Harvey will start fourth. Pato Award will start 
5th. The race tomorrow afternoon is at 3.30 on Peacock along with the IndyCar Radio Network. Minor League Baseball today. The St. Paul Saints defeated Indianapolis Indians 2-1 to one was the final score. You can catch the podcast with Howard Kelman after the show. The Fort Wayne Tin Caps and the Beloit Sky Carp got rained out today, as you heard Mike Moss on with Greg Gregstraw earlier as well. They'll resume that game tomorrow afternoon. The South Bend Cubs and the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers combined to score 16 points, or not points, but 16 runs in today's win. 10-6 to six, the final score, and all of the scoring came in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth innings. The Timber Rattlers scored 10 themselves between the third and the fourth and the Wisconsin, uh, the South Bend Cubs scored five in the fifth and one in the sixth. The Cubs are now 17 and 14. The Timber Rattlers are 10 and 20. They're underway in LA and right now the Lakers are dominating the Warriors 31-21. LeBron James started perfect from the field. Three for three, now three for five, but it's Anthony Davis leading them with nine points. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back. It is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Lovell. Bob is back next Friday. He gets a weekend off. He's got two more weeks left to go before he gets his summer hiatus. And then after Memorial Day weekend, Bob is off until the first weekend in August when he comes back for year number 30 of Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. We talked Pacers in the last segment of the show. Uh, NBA playoffs taking place tonight. The Miami Heat have been the New York Knicks. The Heat become the uh, eight seed that gets to the Eastern Conference playoffs. The Knicks did that back in 99. Who'd they beat back then in round one? The Miami Heat. Who'd they beat in the conference finals? Sadly, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, But the Heat, as an eight seed, make the Eastern Conference finals. They await the winner of Sunday's clash between the Boston Celtics and Philadelphia 76ers in game number seven of that series. Uh, Out west, it is game six. It is the Lakers leading the Warriors, three games to two in the series. They're going to close it out uh, at home, and the Lakers have a 31-24 lead. That is late in the first quarter. Of course, the Pacers did not make the playoffs this year, uh, and that was the expectation going into the year. They got off to a great start. All right, maybe they're a playoff team. It just didn't pan out the last three or four weeks of the season. Um, The Indiana Pacers, though, there was news involving them this past week It involved their G League affiliate. And for many years, the G League affiliate has been the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. But the Mad Ants have begun to play more and more games in Indianapolis. The team was based in Indianapolis, and they train at the uh, wonderful Pacers Training Center, which is basically just across the street from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And and I'm literally, Nathaniel could attest to this, I'm like, pointing to it in the studio right now because we're like six blocks away from it uh, where this show is being recorded. So you kind of got the feeling it was only a matter of time before the Mad Ants uh, moved closer to Indianapolis or simply played their games here somewhere locally, and that became official earlier this week when it has announced a partnership between the city of Noblesville and the Indiana Pacers would bring the Mad Ants to Noblesville. Now, the team will be rechristened, and again, the Mad Ants moniker, for those that don't know, uh, that was Mad Anthony Wayne, Mad Ant, as in whom Fort Wayne is named after. So they'll be the Mad Ants for one more year, even though they're going to play all their games here in Indianapolis next year. The facility in Noblesville should be ready after one year. It's going to be 
kind of on the east side of Noblesville. Uh, if you're familiar with where Mojo Up Fieldhouse is, as kind of 146th Street has kind of built its way all the way out to exit 210 on I-69 now, um, that's where that facility will be. It'll seat 3,400 fans, which, by the way, only in Indiana would that be smaller than the high school gymnasium in which Noblesville plays, the mill, as it is called, you know, which is about four or five miles away from that location? Yeah, the G League Arena is smaller than the high school gym. Welcome to Indiana. But it's gonna, I'm not making fun of the facility. It's going to be a great facility. Um, there will be a rechristening of the team in terms of their nickname, but their first name will be Noblesville. And that's part of this. It's a, it's a great play for the city of Noblesville because now anybody that looks at the G League standings and people tend to do that like internationally, we'll see Noblesville listed in that. It is a selling point for that community. I feel good for those folks. I feel bad for the folks in Fort Wayne. This is the second time that through no fault of their own, the professional basketball team has kind of left them in my generation. It used to be the Fort Wayne Fury and the CBA imploded 20 years ago and now it's the fort wayne mad ants that are up and leaving town and again while folks in fort wayne probably saw it coming i still feel bad about the way that everything played out there back with more in a moment you're listening to network indiana's indiana sports talk I spent the last 25 minutes talking about basketball. How about three more minutes of it on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk? Again, we are in Indiana, right? Uh, Big recruiting news that broke late this afternoon. And I'll admit to you, because of everything I do from a high school basketball standpoint, if it's recruiting news in this state, I tend to have a good handle on it and just how good the player is and where I think that player is going to go. Uh, But when it comes to... Uh, players from out of state that are coming to play for in-state schools, I will defer to experts. My favorite expert as to who can break it all down for us is normally Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com. But believe it or not, Jeff had like a date this evening. Stunning, I know, right? So he could not join the show on short notice. So I am left to instruct you in the ways of Mackenzie Mbako. And I think I'm pronouncing his name properly. I heard Mbako earlier. I've heard Mbako, and I tend to think it's the latter. Maybe you can just call him Mac, or you can call him McKenzie. McKenzie Holmes was great on Twitter, star for the Indiana women's basketball team, when she said, time for more McKenzies at Indiana University. See? Well played. Uh, but this player, who was ranked, I believe, ninth in the ESPN 100, who is from New Jersey who was going to go to Duke, but because Duke had a player or two that elected to not go into the NBA draft and stay to play for John Shire for one more year. And clearly, Mbako thinks he's probably a one-and-done type of player. Uh, he said, you know what? I'm going to reopen my recruitment. And it seemingly came down to Indiana and Kansas. And there's a couple of things that, again, you would not have associated with Indiana basketball until very recent times. That steered the decision in Indiana's favor. Carmelo Anthony and money. Let me explain. Carmelo Anthony stumped for Mike Woodson, who coached him with the New York Knicks. Young man that grew up in New Jersey. Any young basketball player, because of what Melo did for 20 years in the NBA, Carmelo Anthony vouches for the head coach. Young man's going to say, hey, I, I should listen to that. So there's one. And the money aspect, 
it's part of the reason why that I felt that even though Indiana had such a senior-laden team, and then you lose a player like Jalen hood Shafino as well, and the sky was seemingly falling. And I never wanted to insinuate there was going to be easy to replace two guys that are likely going in the first round of the NBA draft, but I have said this for now the last two months. Folks, it's the wild, wild west, and everything is legal, and when you're going to draw 17,000 fans a night and you have a rabid fan base that wants to talk recruiting in the middle of May... Recruits will want to come play at your place because they can frankly make money. And it's one of the things that this young man said in his report. I'm reading this from ESPN.com. Jeff Borzello and Paul Biancardi put it together. And in terms of name, image, and likeness, his quote, it works hand-in-hand with the decision. You get paid for what you love to do. Indiana has great NIL opportunities. Carmelo Anthony and Cash. And you've got yourself a quality basketball player by those that are smarter than me on the subject. And probably by the next time I talk about him, I'll be sure how to say his last name. One more hour left to go on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.